You are listening to The Investor Way with Sam Ball and Jonathan McEwen. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe and follow us on Twitter at TIWTweets. Hello and welcome to The Investor Way with myself, John McEwen, and my co-host Sam Ball. It's the 30th of March today and we have next Domino's, Inditex, Greg's, DS Smith, and our US company of the week is BuzzFeed. Sam, shall I kick us off with Next? Oh, yes. Favourite of the show. (laughs) Okay. So Next, the FTSE 100 retailer, had their full-year results out this week, with full-year revenue rising 30.9% to £4.6 billion, and profits more than doubling to £823 million, which is a 10% increase compared with pre-pandemic levels. In a little bit more detail then, in the retail side of the business, full price sales fell 23% compared with 2019, but were down only 5% on a like-for-like basis. With increased freight costs and a rising wage bills, profits were down 54% to £107 million in the retail business. 14 stores were closed, leaving the group with a total of 477. In the online business, sales were up 31.1% to £3.1 billion, 44.6% ahead of 2019 levels. And the online sales now account for 64% of overall sales. Of those online sales, full price sales were up 47% when compared with pre-pandemic levels, and there was particularly strong growth in the third-party label sales. Margins were down slightly to 19% from 19.1% in 2019, with increased labour, freight, and IT costs, along with increased sales from the lower margin third-party labels. Profits in the online division were up 43.4% from pre-pandemic levels to £588.5 million. In the finance division, with next store credit accounts, profits fell 3.3% to £141.8 million with lower customer balances. The total platform division added Reese to its client list and returned £10.3 million profit, which the group hopes to double next year. The division was pioneered by the next chief executive, Simon Wolfson, and it essentially runs other brands' websites, does their warehousing, distribution, returns, call centre work, customer credit, and their international sites. Alongside these results, the group announced an ordinary dividend of 127 pence and confirmed its plans to return to pre-pandemic ordinary dividend cycle this year. The group also cautioned that it expects lower growth in some overseas markets and the closure of its Russian and Ukrainian websites, lowering its sales guidance by 2% and profits by 1.2%. Shares were down around 4% on the news. In terms of valuation, Next has a market cap of £8.28 billion and trades at around 11.5 times earnings. And that compares with a 10-year average of 14.1. Currently yields around 3.5%. As you outlined at the beginning, Sam, Next is a a favourite of the show. I thought these results were really impressive. Next is a business that continues to deliver. I think it's probably one of the best examples of hybrid retail in action. I think it's a bargain at 11 and a half times earnings, even in an inflationary environment. Sam, what do you think? Similar to you, really impressive. Sales up 10% to pre-pandemic levels is good. The proportion of revenue coming from online 
64% is ridiculous. <laughs> when we talk about like bricks and mortar, it's just, I mean, can you even put next in that category anymore? Because it's, it's predominantly an online business now. It's just, I don't think I've seen another UK retailer handle the transition better than next. No, no. Um, what do you think of the valuation at the moment? I think that's very, very cheap. I think it's very, very attractive. I think the total platform business is interesting because, mm. I mean, they are very good. They've been very good at managing their own growth. So I could see it being something that they can sell quite a lot, even if it's a complete failure. So what? It's not priced. Yeah. It's not priced as if it needs it to be a success. It can only be a bonus. I think at a P of, call it 12, and a prospective yield of 3.5%, it's very, very attractive. Uh, it's it's down about twenty five percent since we last looked at it, and I can't, I can't really yeah. see why, to be honest. And I, I, I still, I still quite liked it when we last looked at it. Oh know? no, no, yeah, it was price, about fifteen. It wasn't, then, it wasn't, yeah, 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 exactly. Very, that's that seemed good. I, I don't hmm. know. It's. I'm quite tempted to have a nibble, actually. <laughs> yes, that's that's what, that's what I was thinking. Okay, well, yeah, and definitely sort of. Well, Boohoo and Next, but very different businesses. But it w- wasn't long that I started a position in Boohoo, uh, and I know you did too. But yeah, ne- Next might be the next on the list. It, it is one of those companies that I, I suppose there is value that you see as a value play, and also got, got decent quality. In but the it is 100. it's growing as well. It's not just not just buying it for the balance. It is a growing yeah. business. It shouldn't. Yeah. I, I don't think it should be at twelve times earnings. I think mm. it's. I think when you look, I mean, imagine if Next was in America putting up these kinds of results quarter after quarter. It'd be a yeah, 30 yeah. or 40 PA. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I okay. like it a lot. Well, 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 we'll come back to that at the end. On to another com- a company that you do like, Domino's? Yes, Domino's. So they have come out with their full year results. These actually, so Domino's and Greg's, which I'm covering, they actually came out a few weeks ago, but we didn't have time to fit them in the week they came out. So we're going back to them now. So they have come out with their full year results. System sales are up 11.2% to 1.5 billion. Group revenue is up 11% to 5 to 560.8 million. Underlying profit before tax is up 12.5% to 113.9 million. Underlying basic earnings per share is up 11.5% to 20.3p a share. Net debt is up 16.2% to 199.7 million. Statutory profit before tax is up 97.2. We'll ignore that figure because their adjustments must be right if they've adjusted it down that much. The full year dividend is up 7.7% to 9.8p a share. The free cash flow is up to 104.6 million from 99 million in 2020. The net debt of 199.7 million is in line with the guidance, and that results in a net debt to underlying EBITDA leverage ratio of 1.54x, which more than affordable. 136 million was returned to shareholders in the 2021 financial year through dividends and buybacks. And they've announced a new 46 million buyback program effective imminently. And in the operational strategic highlights, they've highlighted good growth in total orders, which were up 5.5% during the year. Delivery performed well and collections continued to recover, growing sequentially each quarter. Collections finished the year at 87% of 2019 levels. They highlighted the excellent service standards with an average delivery time of around 25 minutes. 
and said they're now tr a truly a digital first business with 91.2% of sales coming through digital channels. And the new app launched, which in the year, which now accounts for 42% of system sales. They opened 31 new stores in the year with new stores trading ahead of expectations. And they're on track to open at least 45 new stores in the 2022 financial year. And they've also completely exited from all the loss-making directly operated international markets, allowing them to focus on the core UK and Ireland markets. There were also a few points in the slides. So in terms of the split, 1.426 billion of the sales come from the UK and they were up 11.4% and 72.8 million of the sales come from Ireland and they were up 7.5%. For the stores that they own, the average EBITDA margin increased from 20% to 23%. And for the franchise stores, it increased from 17 to 20%. The international markets that they've gotten out of are Iceland, Norway, Switzerland, and Sweden. The customer base is now 13.7 million. They've had the strong customer satisfaction with a net promoter score of 52. I didn't think 52 was actually that outstanding. <laughs> I wouldn't, I actually wouldn't have put that in the slides. I, I think that could probably be improved. That's probably the only negative I can find in these results though. Their share of the UK takeaway market increased from 6.5% to 6.8%. And their share of the UK pizza market remained flat at 44% which is incredibly high. <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't realize it was that big. When you think that there's like Papa John's and Pizza Hut, plus all the independents, mm. that's ridiculous. So the medium term ambition is to have system sales at the upper end of 1.6 to 1.9 billion, and they're currently at 1.5 billion. So that's, call it a, up to a 30% increase. And they want in excess of 200 new stores in UK and Ireland. And if they're opening 45 next year, it looks like they're probably going to hit that. They said the new app that they've launched has led to a 21% increase in downloads. In terms of the valuation, Domino's has a market cap of 1.68 billion. It trades at a PE ratio of 18.92 and yields 2.6%. I think these are very good results. I think the medium term targets based on what we've seen the last few times we've covered it i think i think they're going to hit that so i think that p ratio of just under 19 i think that soon comes down i think with a dividend yield of 2.6 percent, I, I think it's a very attractive stock actually I, I like it a lot what do you think john yeah i think the, the numbers were certainly very good i was going to ask what you thought about this, this when you reach saturation point with the number of domino stores and the amount of Domino's pizza you can sell in, in the UK market, given how many stores we already have? Well, I, I don't, I think they're only going from, they're only targeted going from, I don't know, say, call it 1400 stores to 1600. Mm. They have mm. had disputes with some of the franchisees in the past few years about cannibalization, where like, say you've got a town where there's two Domino's, you stick in a third, total sales go up, but the other two franchisees aren't happy about it. Mm. But, I mean, the, the, when you look at the amount of stores they're looking to add in, and this is only like, this is a medium term target. So I'm assuming like three to five years. I don't think it's outrageous. And they do still have one joint venture as well. I think it's in Germany from memory. Mm -hmm. And that one's actually profitable. So you could get something from that as well. But I, I just think it's such a good business. Yeah. I mean, when you, when you look at like 91% of the orders coming through the app, yeah. 25 minute delivery time, 
44% market share for pizza. Yeah. It's, I, I, I just think it's a very, very good business. And I, I think the medium-term target is set. It's not outrageous. I think they will hit it. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. I think well, it's interesting, though, in terms of like when they do hit that medium-term target, say, say, say that increases revenue by a third and a good chunk of that flows through to the profit. Say that brings a, assuming the share price doesn't move between now and then, maybe that would bring the PE down to, I don't know, like 11 or 12, which is very, very fair. The dividend would probably be like about 4% at that point or something. I think then you'd possibly have the issue of, well, where do they go from there? Because if mm. they're not in any more countries, mm. they, they can't really open any more stores. I can't see them getting their market share up that much, but it's, it's such a good business that's executed so well in the UK and Ireland markets. I know yeah. they didn't do well overseas. I'd still potentially back management and depend on the price. It might still be attractive then, but I think for the medium term, I, I think just under eight, just under 19 PE, I think is very reasonable. Okay. So you, you essentially don't think it's reached that point yet. That's no. saturation. Yeah. Well, okay. I, I, th- I think for the price you pay, I, if it was, I mean, the, the U S daddy dominoes in the U S that's at a P of just under 30. <laughs> and I'd feel a lot less comfortable with that because you, you are looking at the same issue, right? It's well, how yeah, many more dominoes yeah. do you, but I think at, at, at 19 compared to 30, it's a very different conversation. Yeah. What do you think of the valuation? Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I like the business, but I don't know how much I'd be willing to pay for mm. it, especially given those sort of concerns. And I, I take your argument that we're not, we're not at that point yet, but, that would probably be my concern. But you see, I suppose you could have looked at Domino's at a number of points probably over the last five years and said exactly the same thing. And it's continued to grow. Yeah, but the share price is only up 24% in those five years. So it probably has had some... In fact, I'll just look at the financials for the last five years of earnings because the share price is up 24%. Let's see how the business has done. So earnings have gone from... Or the basic earnings have gone from 13.8p a share to 19.8p a share. So that's about 42% earnings growth. So it has had a little bit of multiple compression. So I think it must have traded at about P of 25 historically. Yeah, I think the multiple has come down a little bit, actually. But yeah, I like it. Shall we move on to Inditex? Yes. So Inditex... I wouldn't say it's a favourite of the show, but we've covered it a couple of times now. It's the second of our retailers tonight, best known for its Zara brand. They had their full year results out last week with full year sales up 37%, ignoring the impact of exchange rates to 27.7 billion euros with the easing of the COVID restrictions. Compared with pre-pandemic levels, sales were up 3%, operating profits up nearly three times to 4.3 billion euros, with sales growth more than offsetting the 26% increase in operating expenses. The group confirmed that the US was now its second largest market after Spain, and all of the group's brands achieved double-digit growth, with Zara and Stradivarius the best performers. Zara currently accounts for 71% of total all group sales. Online sales were up 14% and account for a quarter of all sales, this is expected to rise to 30% by 2024. The store optimization is continuing at pace, aiming to increase profits per square foot with the Inditex open platform to manage inventory completed. Gross margins are now 57.1%, which is a six-year high, and the group hopes to maintain these 
this year. Group inventory rose 31%, partly as a response to the anticipated supply chain problems and also as a reflection of the low stock at the end of 2020. Free cash flow was up to 4 billion euros from 631 million euros with improved profits, leaving the group with a net cash in a net cash position of 9.4 billion euros. The group upped their dividend by 33% to 93 cents a share and a further 40 cents a share as a special dividend for 2022 has been proposed. The group comments that sales from the 1st of February to the 13th of March were 33% ahead of 2021 and 21% ahead of pre-pandemic levels. They also intend to increase prices in order to offset increasing inflationary pressures, which they don't expect to impact on volumes. They've halted trading in Russia and Ukraine, which account for around 5% of sales growth. Growth for spring and summer is expected to come in in the mid-single digits. And shares were broadly flat on the news. In terms of valuation, Inditex trades at just under 18 times earnings, compared with a 10-year average of 25. And shares currently yield around 4.7%. I was very impressed with these results, and Inditex is a business that is really growing on me. I think what's particularly impressive is that the group has now fully integrated its online and physical store inventory, and that is set to increase it's already efficient supply chain and supply chain control. And th this is one of the things that I think Zara is often sort of credited for is being able to deliver the latest trends to the, cons to the consumer very quickly, faster than most of the other retailers, and therefore can be on trend more quickly than anybody else. It also means that they don't have excess stock uh, or excess uh, money tied up in stock. Whether you pay 18 times earnings for that compared with Next, which there are a lot of comparisons that you could make, and they're both in fashion. I don't know. I would probably feel safer with Next, but I like both of the businesses, and the margins at Zara, well, Inditex are really, really impressive. And it's still got a long way to go in terms of growing its online business, and also the growth in the US, which I guess perhaps you might want to, or perhaps justifies that higher valuation. What, what, what are your thoughts on the on Inditex? I like it. I mean, I'd say they're decent results. I know we've had some lockdowns during the past year, but you know, only 3% higher than 2019. It's, it's all right. I'd say it's, for me, probably the minimum they should be doing. That being said... It's interesting to look at the online sales where they're now 25.5% and they want to get up to 30% by 2024. And I think there's, that just highlights how ridiculous next online sales proportion is at over 60%. It's just, mm -hmm. it's, it is absolutely insanely good. It just, because, you know, if they can get it to 30%, that's, that's a very respectable proportion. I think the valuation is probably looking the most attractive since we've looked at it. Um, yeah. I think it was in like the low twenties last time we looked. Yeah, the dividend yield, prospective yield of four point seven percent is attractive, and it looks like the shares are down about a third since we last covered it. But similar to you, I wouldn't be paying eighteen times earnings for it when I could have next for twelve. Yeah, if we take next out of the equation, 
what do you think about 18 times earning with the the potential for us growth i'm still not sure i'd if we're going to talk about us growth i'd probably go with abf because they've got okay. primark growing in the us and that's at a cheaper valuation as fine. well okay 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 yeah fine um, like you would you have this over abf what's the valuation of abf at the moment it's similar to when we last i, I know it's your stock isn't it <laughs> I, I never bought it though I, oh did I, you not no 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 sadly all right let's have a look yeah i thought you'd gone and bought it i was <laughs> well there are lots like next and abf that i wasn't cheap enough on a halifax trading day was it <laughs> <laughs> stop it all right i'll load it up now we need to check whether the full year results are in, are in there because otherwise that pe might not be right it's showing as a pe of 21 my initial instincts is that can't be right. I know it's saying here P of 13.7, according to Refinitiv, I think. Yeah. I don't know if that updates, so that's just in the last article. Yeah. 21's definitely not right, I don't think. But I mean, it's, te- anyway. it's, tempt- it's tempting to take uh, a position in both Next and uh, Associated British Foods. I mean, it's... But what about Inditex? That was the one we're talking uh, about. Yeah. It's just not the best option. I think it's just... Yeah. It's, it's all right, yeah. but even like... If we're getting into those kinds of PEs like 17, I'd probably go. I know it's a completely different business, but I'd probably go something like Unilever. <laughs> you were going to say that. I wouldn't. I wouldn't <laughs> want to pay 17 times earnings yeah. for for Zara. I think it's yeah. it's just such a tough business. Yeah, yeah. And I think I'm not. Well, I haven't looked at the the share price in a little bit for Unilever, but I imagine it's probably 16 times, 16, 17 times. Like, is it like 33 now? It's it's been. I know it's been down. I've not looked at it for a while. It's probably where it was when Warren Buffett approach made the approach for it about <laughs> five years ago, six years ago. Should have accepted. <laughs> Berkshire's done better since then. Uh-huh. Let's have a look. That's 15.91 now, according to my really? Might Might go my lifetime ISA. <laughs> <laughs> or top up on it, anyway. Uh, I've not. It's not going in mine. Next, next cut though. Next cut. Fine, fine. Okay. Inditex um, won't. Inditex won't. Okay. What about Greg's? Well, I won't give you any spoilers. Okay. So Greg's have come out with their full year results and total sales were up. It's worth mentioning just as um, for anyone who's not listened to our early episodes on Greg's, unlike Domino's, Greg's was not a beneficiary of the lockdowns because a lot of it's on the high street and that was either shut or no one was there. So total sales were up 5.3% on 2019 levels to 1.229 billion. And like-for-like sales in company-managed shops were down 3.3% on 2019 levels. Pre-tax profit was 145.6 million, and that compares to a loss last year and 108.3 million pound profit in 2019. Profits are slightly, well, I guess inflated because they've had rates relief and stuff like that so i wouldn't expect them to have a year as good as this again next year earnings per share is 114.3p and that compares to a loss last year and 85p in 2019 and the colleague profit sharing recommenced with and they'll which will lead to them sharing 16.6 million with staff they've opened 131 new shops in 2021 closed 28 which is 103 net openings and they had 2,181 shops at 1 January 2022. 
from 2022, they're targeting 150 annual net new shop openings with the potential for at least 3,000 shops in the UK over time. So that's about a, just under a 50%, maybe maybe a 40% increase. Let's check that. It's a 37.5% increase. And they're planning to extend late opening to 500 shops in the year ahead, offering core menu plus hot food trials. And they're also extending the delivery reach from 1,000 to 1,300 shops to complement the evening availability. They may as well, if they can get Just Eat or Uber Eats to deliver it for them and lose money on it. (laughs) There were a few points in the slides. So they've split the stores out in terms of how they're doing compared to the 2019 levels and they've split them into three categories so they've got the heartland locations which is suburbs towns and shopping centers they're bobbing around the 2019 levels or slightly above they've got the outperformers which are significantly above 2019 levels there's a roadside retail parks supermarkets and industrial and then the most affected locations which are still below 2019 levels of public transport offices and city centers so there is, although they have got the revenue above 2019, it looks like the, the comeback might not be finished yet. The gross profit percentage was down slightly from 64.7% to 63.6%, and that's down on 2019 levels. Distribution and selling costs were down as a proportion of revenue were down on 2019 levels from 49 to 46.2%. They've put that down to the £15 million of business rates relief and a £2 million impairment release, and also the lease costs are reducing. The administrative expenses have dropped from 5.3% to 5% of revenue, and they've said that reflects lower incentive charges and structural savings. Profit before tax and exceptional items is 11.8% compared to 9.8%, but that does include the significant rates relief. They've talked about cost headwinds. So in the food and energy section, they've said inflation accelerated during Q4 and will be a significant headwind for 2022. They've got five months forward cover on food and packaging and nine months forward cover on energy prices, but significant uncertainties remain. And then the people section, and by the way, people make up 40% of their costs. Mm. They only had 3% wage and salary inflation in 2021, and they're expecting another 4.3% in 2022. And they said overall, they're expecting 6 to 7% like-for-like cost inflation in 2022, plus the business rates coming back and the VATs going up from April 2022. And they've set an ambitious target to double turnover in five years, and they've talked about where they're hoping that doubling is going to come from. A good chunk of it, they're hoping, so so they're at 1.2 billion, they want to get to 2.4. They're hoping 180 million of it is going to come from doing more evening hours and 170 million from delivery. And they've talked a bit more about the evening trade. They've said 30%, sorry, 35% of the food to go market was post 4 p.m. in 2021. However, that's only 5% of Greg's daily sales. Initial trials in 100 shops show a combination of walking and delivery sales offering the existing menu can already grow the evening day part to an average of 17% of daily sales. In terms of the valuation, the business is trading at a market cap of 2.55 billion, uh, trades at a PE of 22.29 and has a dividend yield of 3.95%. My view is these are decent results 
I think their target's a bit more ambitious than Domino's. And I think they're a bit more expensive. I appreciate some of that is that some of the sales from 2019 are still to come back if you assume they will do, like the city centres. But it's a very similar business with quite similar strategies, actually, to Domino's. or quite similar targets. I'd rather pay... I'd rather pay 19 times for Domino's and 22 times for Greg's is my view. What about you, John? Yeah, and I think I'd add that I'd be particularly concerned about the rising employment costs and the inflationary pressures at this end of the market. I'm not sure Mm. whether they're going to be able to pass some of that on and, yeah, whether the growth is going to be able to offset that. I, I really don't know about that. And for 22 times earnings, I wouldn't be taking a risk. So there's quite a few items in Greg's now. If you compare the price, like even four or five years ago, they are more expensive and it is mm. noticeable. Like if you go to some of the other like yeah. bakery shops on the high street, it's still cheap, Greg's, but it is some of it's fairly pricey for a bakery. Yeah. Yeah, I'd, I'd share that concern. I don't think I would be prepared to pay much more for a Greg's than I do now. And I don't, mm. and I don't go to Greg's that much either. So yeah, I, I, think, I think that probably will eat into profits. Do you have any thoughts on the target of 3,000 stores and doubling revenue in five years? I think it's, it's not impossible, but a tough ask. To me, it seems ambitious, whereas I, yeah. I thought the Domino's targets were, I think they'll hit those. Yeah. Is, I'd, I'd be more, I think Greg's are possibly less likely to hit them. I think the Domino's is a stronger brand as well. Yeah, I agree. Right, okay. shall we move on to DS Smith? Yes, so DS Smith, the sustainable paper box maker, had their quarterly trading update out last week, confirming that second half trading had been in line with expectations and that so far rising costs had been fully offset with price increases and volume growth. They had an effective hedging strategy for the rising energy costs, along with efficiency improvements. The group expects full-year like-for-like volume growth to be in the mid-single digits with continued demand from consumer goods. Net debt is expected to be less than 1.9 times EBITDA. And in terms of the situation in Ukraine and Russia, DS Smith has a minority stake in a Ukrainian packaging business in which operations have been suspended. The division contributed around 2% or around £4 million to last year's net profit. At the moment, the valuation of DS Smith, it's got a market cap of four and a half billion pounds, trades at just nine or just over nine times earnings compared with a 10 year average of 12.1. We've covered DS Smith and the full year results previously on the show. I thought these results were or this, this statement was reasonable. And I still think that the fundamentals of the business are fairly strong with the e-commerce and the move away in the country, or well, in the world, but in the country, plastic packaging. So far, management's managing to offset the higher costs and pass these on, and probably at just nine times earnings and a fairly juicy dividend, which I think is just under 5%, which is well covered. It probably wouldn't be a bad pick, actually, um, for DS Smith. I know that they're trying to reduce the costs also that's associated with paper and trying to outsource that so they do less of it themselves. And depending on whether commodity prices are high or low, it can work in favour or against the business. 
Um, the target is getting it down to 60%. I consider buying shares at this price. What about you, Sam? Yeah, I like it. It's it's just a very reliable business. I, I think when we talked about it last time, we actually said we thought they'd be able to pass on the price increases. And it looks like they are doing. I'm surprised. It's because, again, I mean, I know everything has pulled back in the last few months because of Russia and Ukraine. But, again, it, it's pulled back from when we last looked at it. Was it down, like, you know, like 20% or something like that, 15 mm. 20%? And it, I would have thought it was a business that was maybe slightly more defensive. Yeah. So I'm surprised to have seen it pulled back with everything else. And that prospective dividend yield of 5.2% is very good. Mm. It's defensive, but it does have that kind of growth trend in the sense of e-commerce. Yeah, it's got quite a lot of long-term tailwinds going mm. for it. But no, I'd, I'm surprised to see it trading as cheaply as it is. Mm. It's not an exciting business, though. It's not, but that's not always the worst thing in the world, is it? No, absolutely Peloton's not. an exciting business. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um so one for the watch list or I think it is it is more Peloton. Watch. Or Peloton. Yeah. Well, I, I've got Peloton, unfortunately. Yeah, but more 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 Peloton, would you add? No, to? Peloton's on the uh, Peloton's in the sin bin, actually. Okay. There's no way it's selling it because it's down 66% or something stupid. Uh, <laughs> and so in less than a year as well. Yeah. But anyway, it's still, want... still more expensive than DS Smith as well. Oh yeah. Um <laughs> anyway, we won't. We won't go into that. We can't just have me complaining about Peloton every <laughs> week. <laughs> Although I always get a couple of... Di- I've got... The last few weeks, I've always managed to get one Peloton dig in, I think. But no, DS Smith, I, I like it. I think it'll do well in an inflationary environment. And I think it's got a lot of long-term tailwinds, and I am surprised to see it trading as low as it is. Fine. Okay. US company of the week, BuzzFeed. Yes. Are you familiar with BuzzFeed? Yeah, I've heard of BuzzFeed. Do you want to tell us about it? Yeah, so it's... it's- it's like a media company. It's just it's just a lot of clickbaity articles that I think like I mean based on some of these articles, I'm I'm gonna take a punt and say that it's probably got more girls using it than boys. But here, here's some of the articles on the front page today. 22 tweets from Black Twitter this month that cracked me up. Could you spend one million dollars in a week? 16 problematic movie scenes that age worse with every passing day. The celebs spilled the behind the scenes secret behind the scenes secrets of how sex scenes are filmed. And then like they do like quizzes and stuff like that and other weird stuff. This vegan skincare brand has up to 40% off in its sale. So now's the time to upgrade your skincare routine. I don't know who's actually like getting information from this website. <laughs> but anyway, they are publicly listed and they have come out with their Q4 and full year results. And Jonah Peretti, founder and CEO, said 2021 was a year of significant milestones for BuzzFeed. We became the first publicly traded digital media company, delivered double-digit growth in revenues and profits, and completed the acquisition of HuffPost and Complex Networks, both of which are already making important contributions to the company's financial performance. So for the 2021 full-year financial and operational highlights, Budsfeed increased revenues by 24% to $397 million, and all these figures are in dollars. Advertising revenue grew 37% to 205.8 million. Content revenues grew 9% to 130 million. Commerce revenues grew 19% to 61.6 million. Net income increased 132% to 25.9 million. 
Adjusted EBITDA grew by 35% to 41.5 million, which represents 10.4% of revenue. They said their audience spent more time than ever on BuzzFeed content. Time spent grew by 6% to 789 million hours. This was quite interesting, actually. Our trusted commerce content drove approximately 600 million in attributable transactions in 2021, up almost tenfold since we first, first launched this business in 2016. BuzzFeed's revenue from these transactions was more than $60 million in 2021, up from $4 million in 2016. And then for the Q4 highlights, revenue increased 18% year over year. Advertising revenue grew 24%, content revenue up 33%, and commerce revenue declined 26%. Net income increased 29% year over year, and time spent actually declined 4%, probably because people are going outside again now. And for the first quarter of 2022 outlook, they said on a pro forma basis, we expect complex networks in the year, oh, including complex networks in the year, year ago, first quarter, we expect revenues to be down by a low single digit percentage year over year. On a reported basis, we expect revenues to grow approximately 30% because it's got a new acquisition in there. It was worth mentioning as well, they, they gave a net income figure in those results, but then we actually follow it through in the numbers. Because I was quite confused because they, they were quoting net income. So I got quite excited because uh, I thought we we're going to have some earnings this week to talk about for the US company. And then when you follow it through, there's no actual earnings, which is a bit annoying. So they, they've got some net income, but it's, I think it's basically just all... It's all because of some tax that's coming back. I've not looked in any massive detail, but although it's got net income, there's not any earnings. So we still don't have earnings per share. Now, in terms of the last last four years of figures, they've grown revenue from 307 million to 397 million. So not a massive amount. And the bulk of that increase has come in lockdown. So you do wonder how much of that they're then going to give back as people start going outside again. They've not really had any earnings. To, they, they had a small... Eight cents earnings per share in 2020, and that's on a share price of five dollars nineteen. Losses in the previous two years. I don't. I'm not going to bother with price to sales because I don't think it really works for this type of business with that type of growth. But it's at a market cap of just under seven under seven hundred million. I mean, for me, I, I don't actually like the products. I think it is just. It's, well, it's, it's, it's just garbage when you look at the stuff on this. Um, I know I'm not the target demographic, but I don't like the product, so I'm a lot less likely to invest anyway. I don't really see what the business model is here. If it's just advertising, I don't I don't know how you put a value on it because I don't see how it gets, you know, if, if they're not making profits now, I don't know when they will be because it's not like I'm looking at it and thinking, well, it's going to be, you know, 10 exercise of where it is today. It doesn't really have any track record of earnings. I, I don't really think i'd ever be interested in investing in the business what about you john thoughts on the business and the results no uh, ab- absolutely the same and i'd definitely buy facebook before this yeah <laughs> yeah yeah well facebook's only like I'm not, of like 13 yeah. now well exactly exactly that's that's quality and it's i suppose loosely a, well advertising isn't it yeah yeah if you're gonna have an advertising play i'd go with facebook yeah mm. So no, not not the least bit interested. No, not at all. Actually, there was, and I mean, it's difficult when it's loss making and you can't even use price of sales or anything. But it's just there's just nothing. I don't see anything to suggest there will be earnings. I think if they weren't making earnings in the lockdown year, because yeah. I think a lot of that revenue that they've gained, they're going to give back. I could be wrong, but if they're not starting to move towards earnings now, when will they? Yeah, quite. So right. Of the six companies then that we've talked about this week, so next 
Domino's, Inditex, Greg's, DS Smith, and BuzzFeed. If you had to buy one, which one would it be? I would probably go for next, and it would be followed by DS Smith. They'd be my two, two top picks. And I think next, like you say, it's particularly exciting. It's that hybrid retail really making a success of it. Sensational online growth. And it's got a very, very, oh, it's, it's trading at a very reasonable multiple. I'd agree. I Well, I'd go over next. And then my second choice would probably be Domino's. I, I think actually it's, this week we've covered five very good businesses and BuzzFeed as well. Whereas normally there's only <laughs> two or well, yeah. But in terms of the UK ones, I think like yeah. in in another week, I think any one of these five could have been the top one. Yeah. But yeah. they've but yeah, they've they've come but, up against next. Yeah. And next is just for me the best one. But Domino's would be second for me. Yeah. I, I mean I think yeah, there's a lot to be said for UK retail at the moment, and particularly next and associated British foods. I like mm. both of those. Um, and UK valuations as well. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's everything then. Thank you again for listening and we'll see you again next week. See you next week. Thank you for listening to The Investor Way. To get in touch, please follow us on Twitter at TIW Tweets. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and does not constitute financial advice. Neither Sam nor Jonathan are financial advisors. For investment advice, please consult professional advisors.